0: From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts.
1: Today, Jeff, there's something I want to talk about that keeps coming up in conversations, and that is how to decide on the managers you pick as an advisor. And let me just give you a quick backstory, and then I know you have some really good experience with your career path sure. and um, have some good good advice on this. So, uh, you know, historically, let's say you have an advisor that puts together a, a group of mutual funds, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, they would follow maybe some sort of asset allocation, small cap, large cap, et cetera. As we move into a model environment, advisors are, are, are less, less and less being rep SPM, uh, at least in our conversations, and more towards putting together models of different managers. So now this brings up another issue or or a thing that needs to be addressed is how do they put together the models? Now, there's pre-built models out there, but you don't know why they were pre-built. Is it because of revenue sharing? Is it because of some other reason? So you and I both agree that one of the the things advisors really should get good at or, or use resources towards is, Putting together these models, how are you going to go about putting them? Are you going to purely use an analytical? Are you going to dive into the background of the manager? These things need to be addressed. And given what you've done during your career, I think there's no one better to speak on a process to look into how managers manage money, how they run their firm. And so we'll talk about sort of, you know, how you came up with this process. uh, And let's dive through sort of the steps of this process.
0: Yeah, so so there's a couple of things here. I, I think, you know, and I've talked about this before. I think even maybe on a podcast, you know, I use a phrase called expectational investing, and and that's really the basis for what I created, which was my due diligence process. And and I think it's important to understand expectational investing is all about. It's not about the returns. It's about understanding. What's happening when it happens? Is it is it meeting my expectations? And so when you think about that from a due diligence perspective, then all of a sudden to understand what each manager says they're going to do, who they are, and and the returns to those do those match up, right? Do they validate or confirm that? Well, that here scenario. here's a, so, here's
1: a good a good example of expectational investing. Uh, we had a an advisor on the platform, uh, one of the platforms that that don't. You know, they never talked to us or reached out, invested in one of our strategies that spends a lot of time in cash. Uh, The first, I think, two months they were in the program, we were in cash and then he left. So a perfect example of not knowing the expectations of the strategy and what it does. Right. But, sorry, to interrupt. Go ahead.
0: No, no, that's okay. Because the right the the next the next component you mentioned, you know, kind of the BD short list or, or you know who's at your conference, that sort of thing. With more and more as as platforms become more prevalent, and that ability to to easily combine managers, what ends up happening is most uh, most of the advisors that I talk to, frankly, they're their due diligence is narrowed down to choosing a few things on a performance filter, seeing who rises to the top and say, okay, well, then I'll you know put some money with that manager and see how that works. And, and while I understand, first and foremost, advisors haven't been taught due diligence. That sounds funny because they go to due diligence meetings all the time, right? But that's salespeople from the sales group that is trying to sell you something who's telling you how to do it. So what I'm going to do is lay out a little uh, my process, and I don't expect everybody to use my exact process that I call firm CPR, right? It's it's the heart of, of what you're trying to find. But this is some features and functions, some of the pieces of the puzzle that if you can take two or three snippets out of here and and be smarter and wiser about how you're finding your manager and or managers, and then you'll have a better understanding of how to fit those together as well. So so let's, and any
1: any yeah. any process is better than no process. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you're just trying to ask questions, and what you've done a great job of do is organizing these questions into into sections. So let's let's dive into the first yeah. one and go
0: through this. A- absolutely. So I call this firm CPR. It's it's sort of an acronym for firm structure, communication, program design, and returns. And I always follow that with returns are last for a reason. The first three, your firm structure, communication, and program design, are really about figuring out who the manager is, this, this organization. What is it that they're trying to do? What is it that they say they do? And how do they say that they do it, right? And then the returns follows that with a validation, as I mentioned before, a validation or a confirmation that, yes, in fact, they, the returns match what the expectation, the expectation has been set, so okay yeah, so let's the first, one, the the first one
1: is the first one is firm structure what are, what are the 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 couple points that you like to harp on there
0: yeah so so well i know we're going to keep this fairly light through the process right uh, anybody who has more questions can always contact me and i'll be glad to explain more but you know firm structure is really about that very thing it it's who are, are is there one owner there are more than one owners um is it uh owned by a large is this management firm owned by another larger entity Versus you have the ability to actually maybe communicate with the managers themselves or the, you know, the owners themselves. Uh, what's the distribution look like? Is it a bunch of wholesalers? Are you talking to the owners or, uh, you know, is it, is it all done by platform or is this somebody you could go to direct as well? Right, just understanding some of those structure things about how they're organized and, and how they distribute. So that's and the first and piece. my, and so
1: I think the the big the big question there, the big thing you're trying to answer is who is scratching who's back, and yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 that and that's important because decisions that are made based on a small business, a group of employee-owned uh, businesses, versus something that's you know a, an arm of a conglomerate, you know, you, you have different masters that you're answering to, and that could change well, your decision-making process. Right.
0: Right. And, you know, again, it's it's not that one is good or one is bad. It's do you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? It's just about finding your out.
0: Clients, your clients are trusting you to know and understand these things. They assume that you know. So the more you know, the better off you are. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so we can move on to the next one. So the next one you have
1: is uh, communication.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And communication is, is really, I mean, it's... <laughs> how much do we need to define there but but it it does make a difference right if you're as an example if you're doing direct business right directly with that manager as a as a solicitor well look there's they're probably going to have some email that are coming out they're probably going to have maybe they have a wholesaler maybe they don't right but there are different maybe a commentary you know how frequently is that generated do they do special edition pieces Based on you know, market conditions, some melee happens and they're going to give you some insight. right? How much education, insight, and information are they going to provide to you along the way? I think that's valuable in understanding, uh, again, whether it's working direct solicitor or through a platform, and that may differ even with the same manager. Because, again, you, the client expects you to know what's going on, and if you don't know what that communication level is, then things happen and you're scratching your head trying to figure out, well... Why did the portfolio do X and the market did Y and I don't understand, right? And meanwhile, three clients are calling you saying, hey, why did my account do this? Well, if you don't know what that communication level is, then you're sort of screwed and (laughs) you're having to figure out and and make phone calls, but you don't even know who you're supposed to call at that point. So understanding the communication that's coming out as well as what communication level there is for you, access points there is for you to communicate to them.
1: Yeah, and... and, and it's just, like you said, really figuring out what, what that expectation is, right? We do a monthly commentary. We've done one since, I don't know, 10 years now going. <laughs> um, we don't do a bunch of webinars. We don't do a bunch of intra month, you know, flash, flash updates. We try to keep it consistent with the monthly commentary. Some people like that. Some people want to hear about every single trade. Uh, you just need to know as an advisor how your manager is going to communicate updates and then educate your clients accordingly uh, and, and educate yourself accordingly as to when to expect to hear from them, right? Right, right. Okay. and that
0: serves, and again, it goes in both directions, right? That's us communicating outwardly to advisors, whether they're working through a platform or whether, in some platforms, we don't actually know who, who is using us, but if we know who it is, right, we're sending these kinds of things out. But likewise, understanding how, there's a question, how do they communicate to us, right? And and we're more than happy in our example, and not every manager is like this, but look, if I get a phone call from somebody who's using us on a platform, um, I'm more than happy to answer any question for them, right? That's not a problem, but not everybody is that way. Some people treat platform business like, you know, it's arm's length, right? Okay, hey, I'm sending the signals to the platform. They're going to do all the trades. I don't know who you are. I'm not answering questions. I'm only getting paid 20 or 30 basis points or whatever the case may be. And we want to see our advisors even on platforms do their due diligence. Call us. Understand why we're doing what we do and how we do it so that you're better okay. educated about the expectation. So,
1: All right, program design.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the list is long, but distinguished. I mean, it's it's everything from understanding trade frequency, kind of to your point with that, that cash example, right? Where, what securities are being used? Is it ETFs? Is it mutual funds? Is it stocks? Um, you know, all kinds of things. How, how are we, I mean, are we a quant shop? Or I shouldn't say we, but is the manager a quant shop? Or are they doing, you know, are they sending people out to physically meet with these different businesses that they're buying the individual stocks from? Uh, understanding those things again goes to that concept which I mentioned the first three all about how they do what they do you know and and that I think that's just critical in again setting the expectations so that when you do look at the returns you get it and and that's your marker it's not about you know up five down five it's about should they be up five? Well, okay, Should they well, be hang seven? on a
1: second. So, hang on a second. Yeah. Let's let's dive into program design. Like, what are the sure. what are the main what are the main points? You know, uh, what are the, if yeah. you were to start with one thing about the design and go down from there?
0: Yeah, who do they say they are? All right, and, okay. and I'll give you a quick example. So, I had a when I was doing I did due diligence for over a decade. Uh, I had a manager out of New York who. I mean, all their website, all their materials, all their stuff was risk manager, risk manager, risk manager, risk manager. All right? Now, in their 10 or 12 years worth of history that they were um, showing, one year they were up 150%. Well, that's pretty darn amazing, I think you would agree, for a risk manager, right? It kind of begs the question, well, what, what risk are they measuring if they could be up that much? The following two years, in a row... One was down, I believe it was 49%, the other one was like 50 or 51%. I mean, what again, what risk are you managing? So so understanding what they say they are first makes a big difference when you do finally see the returns. Because if they didn't say they were a risk manager, you know what? Hey, you're up 150, that's awesome. And then you're down some, okay, you're an aggressive growth manager. That's different yeah, from well, a so risk to, manager.
1: To, yeah, to jump on that, there was a, a software... I won't call them out by name, but essentially they automate um, the design of, of models. And, and the point being on one of the lines, it says there's a risk management algorithm overlay, right? <laughs> but when you dive into it, all it really means is that when volatility reaches a certain point on measures that they don't tell you, they peel back maybe 5%, 10% of the portfolio. And so if that's mm-hmm. your definition of management risk, sure. But to your point how is the program designed you know who who are they exactly and then how are they going about either being aggressive or managing risk because that will like you know have a big sort of determining factor on on the on the expectations so what 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 is the second so besides besides you know program design you said who who are are they what's the second major point under that 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 you would try to dive into
0: yeah the very specifically, how they do what they do, right and, and I'm going use as an, I'm going to use ourselves as an example because this question, this one question came up more than any other in 2009 when I had advisors call me. Who uses cash?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: right and 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 kind of along that line that you were talking about, is it five or ten percent? Is it whatever? Well, in all of our portfolios, we could go hundred percent cash. If you didn't know that, It doesn't matter what the returns are. You have no idea what that expectation is. So all of a sudden your clients call you because they've been in cash for two months. And and, and you're like, oh, hell, I have no idea what they're doing. What are we paying you for, right? So understanding how they do what they do. All the other things are just sort of subsets of that right what securities they use or are they quant all that stuff it's what do they say who they say they are and how do they do what they do those two things are, are absolutely the most critical out of that whole program design concept
1: okay and so, so lastly returns what uh, what's your angle here
0: yeah so so the returns are there simply to validate what you have learned and and again you know in simple terms it's when would you expect, before I ever say, before you even look at the numbers, when would you expect them to do well? When would you expect them to struggle after learning what you have about who they are and what they, how they do what they do? And, and then all of the returns become relative. And likewise, they're relative, especially if you're looking at combining managers, right? Because what do we all want? We want non-diversification between, non-correlation, excuse me, between the multiple managers we're going to use. We want one to be flying when the growth markets are flying. We want one to be a risk manager to protect our butt when the markets go to hell, right? And if you don't under, if you're just looking at returns, that's not necessarily going to tell you the real story. You got to know the rest. So that's, that's, that's okay. the scoop there.
1: Okay. And so to sort of take this home, I know, uh, you know, we talk to advisors all day long and currently people, may or may not have a process. I know people use things like Riskalyze and Advisory World to, to right. do analytics on how managers perform with each other, but that's only one step. To your example, that's the last step in terms of the return section uh, because there's a lot of holes in that, right? You're just combining the scores that may or may not be arbitrary. Uh, you need to yeah, really combining, understand combi- how they combine right. with each other.
0: Absolutely, combining a conservative risk score and an aggressive risk score does not give you any insight as to what the, what's going to really happen in a different type of environment, right? Is your is the lower risk score just conservative, or is it a risk? based conservative. Is your aggressive just aggressive, or is it something else? And, and you got to understand more of those. Pe- I don't know risk Riskalyze is it, since we're picking on them. You know, they've got some tools to show you how your different portfolios combine, which is good. But uh, again, it's, it's all part of the process. So I think you get the idea, right? The idea here is to get take two or three points away from this and build your own due diligence piece so that you kind of have a checklist of, of, I know my managers because I've done A, B, and C. I call it firm CPR. That's my process. What's yours?
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. What do you, you got any recommendations for this week?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So recommendations um, this week, uh, you know, it's something that I actually posted on, on, I think it was LinkedIn earlier this week because I saw that it was actually in response to to somebody talking about client education and some of the, the holes that we have in our society, whether that be, if you want to pick on schools or parenting or whatever, I don't care. But my recommendation is Lightbulb Press. They have produced for many, many years, uh, it's a publication company, they've produced some very small booklets. They're about half width, so it's, I think, you know, four by 11 or whatever. Some really nice booklets that are about half cartoons, right, they're illustrations, would be a better phrase, and small bits and bytes. And then they have really good indexes. So if you want to know more, and I, I would recommend that you share these with clients and prospects, Because sometimes you'll have somebody who wants to know more and, you know, you can talk to them all day long, but to give them a tool where it's easy to read a small snippet or they can look in their index and find something on personal finance, on, you know, estates, on, you know, trust me, you can just go out and look. We'll provide it in show notes. You can go out and look at all the different guides and booklets that they have. Usually they're six to 10 bucks a piece, but uh, I do highly recommend them because I've gotten great feedback and I've shared them with a lot of people. So,
1: okay. Yeah, for me this week, it's something – you helped me figure out a 529 plan uh, for uh, Nebraska, TD Ameritrade Nebraska. Yeah. And one of the cool things they have is – so they partnered with a company called U-Gift. They either partnered or own them. I'm not sure. But essentially, you go into each child, and there's a gift code, and you can add certain people – Uh, like grandparents, for example, to that gift code and they get an email where they can easily set up an ACH or through credit card and deposit into the 529. And it just makes it so easy because the grandparents have been asking, like, how can I do this? Can I set one up? And this sort of just allows you to two clicks, start depositing money and paying for your grandchildren to go to school so I don't have to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. your got, your, your video that you posted on Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, it, you're basically the GoFundMe iteration, <laughs> which is, is, you're right. I mean, I think you're absolutely right what a 529 really is. Um, it's a it is, is pretty freaking funny, man. Your kids are yeah. great. So if anybody is listening or watching and they haven't connected with you on any one of those two social media outlets, I highly recommend it because your kids crack me up, man. Um, all right, I, on that I note, let's, them as pawns. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, it's it's cheap labor. Uh, work for me or no, I will no, you. No,
1: not fucking cheap, but just labor.
0: <laughs> right, oh, man. All right. Yeah, let's end this. All right. So like, subscribe. If you have anything you want to comment, just uh, go to our www.potomacfund.com. Click the Connect Us page, and, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. See you. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management.